Hey guys, it's me, future Brittany. You're about to listen to past Brittany probably yell at Andrew about something involving a movie. But before we get into that, I have two quick announcements. First, we experienced some technical difficulties regarding Andrew's microphone at the beginning of this episode. It's fine, you can still understand what he's saying, but just know that it's not going to be the quality that you're used to at first. It gets better as the episode goes along. But don't get too annoyed with Andrew because my second announcement is that tomorrow, or May 20th, 2020, if you're not listening to this the day it comes out, is Andrew's birthday! birthday, Andrew! We may argue, but I love you, man, and you're a great co-host and a friend. And happy birthday to Andrew's brother, Adrian, who was our very first guest on this podcast. Happy birthday, Adrian! (laughs) All right, guys, that's all future Brittany has to say. Enjoy the show! Welcome to this episode of the Academy Arguments. I am Andrew. And I'm Brittany. And we are joined for this episode by our good friend, Max Kennedy. Hi, Max. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Max. Welcome to the show. So why don't you start us off and just give a, a quick little uh, intro about who you are, what you're about, so our listeners know who you are. Yeah. Uh, so I am an actor. I'm also, it's weird to say it to my say it out loud, but I'm also a YouTuber. I make Disney videos. I try to make them comedy. Maybe that comes across. I'm not sure. But that's what I'm focused on right now, and that's who I am. Awesome, awesome. We are really, really happy to have you for this episode, Max. And uh, for this episode of the Academy Arguments, we are focusing on the film Who Framed Roger Rabbit? And this is a really interesting film. It's a cross between animation and live action, for those of you who are not familiar. And we're really, really excited to take a dive into this film. Uh, First, we're going to kind of dive into... Uh, what were our expectations for the project before going to see it? You want to go first, Andrew? Sure. So <laughs> I'll be quite honest. <laughs> and maybe it's just the fact that this film was made before before I was born, so I, I didn't know too much about the project. I knew that there was someone named Roger Rabbit, and he was framed <laughs> for something. Probably a murder. Like, you get and that? It, it ended up being a murder. So I was like, okay, awesome. I yeah, like that's really it. I I had little to no context going into it, which actually ended up making it even more enjoyable in the end. That I I didn't have too much context going in. But yeah, that 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 was those were my expectations. I got some bullet points here. I recall this movie terrifying me as a child. In fact. Uh, when Andrew told me you wanted to do this, Max, I think my text to him was, that movie gave me nightmares. <laughs> Funny enough, though, I don't remember what it was about. I also recall the ride based on this movie at Disneyland terrified me as a child. I feel like everyone thinks Jessica Rabbit is sexy, and it's kind of a crime noir theme, right? Yeah, those were my opinions. I don't know why this movie terrified me, but I recall being, like, viscerally frightened. By this movie as a kid i don't know what it was because i don't even remember what it was about max what about you yeah uh i saw this movie a while ago and i think it was like one of the first movies where i saw live action and animation together and i was like oh that's really cool i always love disney so i was like i have to watch this movie but also terrified of the movie because the ending just it's very haunting <laughs> even it's like i watched really it last dark. night and it's still yeah and i wrote down everything that was like this is a PG movie, yes! but everything why it shouldn't be PG. 
that was baffling. I had to look up the rating. I think it was maybe 10 minutes in, and I'm looking up the rating, and I'm like, what? What? Is what, Disney made this? What? <laughs> yeah. How? Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm kind of baffled by that my, myself. I did not see that coming. I thought, I thought it was going to be a much more family-friendly movie than it ended up being. You can straight up see Jessica Rabbit's boobs in this. This is a PG movie where you can see basically all of her side boob. It makes me it's- so uncomfortable to watch it. Like, I feel like I'm not allowed to watch this. Yeah. I saw this no. as a child. <laughs> I mean, there, there were so many things in this film that, like, when I saw it, I was just like, they allowed that? Like, what Guys, is this movie? They say son of a bitch at one point. Like, Eddie straight up says son of a bitch. Yeah, doesn't yeah. he call Roger that? PG. Yeah. Yeah, he does. They say hussy? The, the man movie? baby? Yeah. The man baby? Oh, my God. Guys, here's the thing. While I was doing my research and, like, looking up what awards this movie won and what it was nominated for, which I'm about to get into, I kind of went into a very deep dive on the Wikipedia page, and I found out so much about this movie. Specifically, that there was a controversy surrounding the film when it was released on Laserdisc. What's Laserdisc? I don't know. I don't know. Cool. (laughs) I don't know. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Never mind. We don't care then. So basically, when it was released on Laserdisc, you know, that ever-important Laserdisc, uh, observers uncovered several scenes of antics from the animators that supposedly featured brief nudity of Jessica Rabbit, while undetectable while played at the usual rate of 24 film frames per second. The Laserdisc allowed the viewers to advance frame by frame and uncover these visuals of Jessica Rabbit fully nude what yeah oh and then there's one more another controversial scene includes the one in which baby herman extends his middle finger as he passes under a woman's dress and re-emerges with drool on his lip who signed off on this when i was researching it too there's so many versions where it's like yeah they cut this for the theatrical release but uh the re-release they kept this another re-release they kept this they got rid of this like Every version of the movie is a little bit different, some extended scenes, and I, I watched it on Disney+, Plus, and I don't know what version I was watching, honestly. Yeah. That's the version where, um, at the end, uh, Sylvester says, I'm a pussy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it, it won an Oscar. <laughs> it did. It actually won three Oscars, and it was nominated for six It won Best Sound Effects Editing. That was Charles L. Campbell and Lewis uh, Eidman. That uh, award is actually not in effect anymore. It was discontinued in 1999, and then from then on, it was just considered Best Sound Editing. Mm. It won Best Film Editing. That was Arthur Schmidt. Best Visual Effects. That was Ken Ralston, Richard Williams, Ed Jones, and George Gibbs. Richard Williams was also awarded a Special Achievement Award that year for animation. This was the 61st Academy Awards. I'm not sure if I said that before. The film was nominated for Best Cinematography, and it lost to Mississippi Burning. It was nominated for Best Art Direction, lost to Dangerous Liaisons, and Best Sound, which it lost to Bird. A quick fun fact, I've actually met one of the people who won an Oscar for this film. Ed Jones, oh. one of the folks who won for best visual effects. 
I interned for a producer a few summers ago, and he's business partners with Ed Jones. And it was the weirdest meeting in the world. Like, I ended up watching the final presidential debate of the 2016 election with him. But, like, he talked to us a lot about, like, his time working on Who Framed Roger Rabbit and everything. So, like, I thought it was really funny when he chose this film, Max. I was just like, hey, I have a really weird personal connection to this movie. So. Yeah, what a crossover. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, guys. Should we just get into this? (laughs) Let's do it. Let's do it to it. Max, I feel like we have to let you start off because you... You made us do this. You made us watch this. Explain yourself. I'm sorry and you're welcome uh, for watching this movie. I, I, I love it just for like the zaniness and it feels a little culturally out of touch a little bit maybe like just the way that the ba- baby herman talks and acts mm-hmm. and also just like the whole jessica rabbit thing uh, i counted down how many times there's sex jokes involving rabbits or carrots and there's a few <laughs> such as uh wanted a hand on my rabbit oh my god <laughs> yeah or is that a rabbit in your pocket or are you just happy to see me yep i remember that one i remember oh that one god. just yeah guys This film made me think so much about whether or not the humans and the cartoons can have sex. Because Jessica Rabbit, the whole thing is she's performing for humans. I mean, I have, like, a lot of theories. Mm -hmm. I I feel like I've become one of those conspiracy theorists on the internet because of this movie. Because I'm like, okay, wait, so this one guy, he owns Toontown? I mean, I suppose we only ever see Toons in the contacts that they're serving humans are they enslaved by this man is that why that they need it to be free because like at one point the judge we see him kill one of the tune people and they are surrounded by police officers and no one does anything i'm like what is this are they just like considered second class citizens and if so why what are the rules in this universe guys i'm gonna go off on a tangent i'm so sorry it's bothering me because here's the thing Toon characters, sure, we they drop things on them and nothing hurts them and nothing can kill them mm-hmm. except this acid that this Judge Doom has discovered. Oh my god, guys, if that's the case, and that's the only thing that can hurt humans, and cartoon characters can just magically appear with random things like any cartoon does, and they can't be killed, they are technically the superior species to humans. So are humans trying to oppress them? Guys, what is going on? I don't know what to do. This is... <laughs> <laughs> these these are now we're asking the important questions here. Like, did we just enslave these tunes and just keep them for our own amusement in this one location? I mean, RK Maroon does say, "Hey, I can make them work for peanuts." So they're already abusing them through yeah before cheap labor before giving Dumbo some peanuts, which yeah. he then snorted as one does. Yeah, that's the only way I consume peanuts. Also, I I really didn't understand the rules of this world because I thought I understood it. I thought it was like, okay, the tunes interact with tune things and the humans can interact with tune things, but they don't really have magical powers as humans. It's just the tune things that have the magical powers. Mm -hmm. And the tune things can interact with human things, but human things can't hurt them because they're tunes. The only thing that can hurt them is this acid. Mm -hmm. But then you see instances where like, Eddie goes to Toontown and he gets flattened in that elevator thing. And I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. 
why is he getting flattened? Because he's a human. Human things can hurt him. And I suppose tune things can hurt him, but he doesn't develop magical flattening tune powers when he's in Toontown. Mm-hmm. Or there was one point where he walked off a building legend. He's suspended in the sky for a second. And I'm like, no, that doesn't... What are... What's happening? What are the logical laws in this world? I don't understand. Also, uh, <laughs> guys, this is this is pretty fired up here. This movie. Someone else needs to talk because I'm gonna keep going and it's gonna get I'm gonna get weirder. <laughs> well, it, it's coming because like before seeing this movie, I I had seen a film that was sort of similar to this, Looney Tunes back in action. So when I, I saw that like this was kind of like what we were in for, I was like, okay, okay. I, I like Looney Tunes back in action. I'll, I'll like this. But I think I like this movie even better than Looney Tunes back in action just because Looney Tunes back in action just kind of goes all over the place. Like there's just so – don't get me wrong. I love it. It's one of my favorite films from my childhood. But it literally went all over the place. Like it was just – it was all over the place. This had a very, like, set plot. And it, I loved the noir elements where they, they uh, make Jessica Rabbit kind of like the femme fatale figure of the whole movie. Like, I just, I don't know, I loved it. And it had a surprising amount of heart, too. Like, the scene, you know, when the detective's uh, at his office and he's drinking his booze and we see, like, the newspaper clippings and his brother's empty desk. And you have that that saxophone just playing. Oh my god, I got surprisingly emotional. I was just like, damn. <laughs> like, it, yeah. just, it just really tugged at the heartstrings, and I did not see that coming. I'm so happy that you said Looney Tunes back in action, because that was like, that was the first movie I saw with like the animation, live action sort of oh, thing. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, And gotcha. I loved that movie. I was obsessed with that movie when I was younger. Yeah, same. And then like seeing this, yeah, it reminds me so much of it, but this Roger Rabbit's far superior for like what you were saying. Yeah, I don't, Bernie. I love the one-liners. Oh, same, same. Oh yeah, yeah. No, both 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 movies have great one-liners, but I'm like, not bad. I was just drawn that way. <laughs> if only we. If, she was drawn without a rib cage. If only we could all use that excuse. Like, think about it. She doesn't have a rib cage. She does not. I thought she was a rabbit for a while, and I was like convinced. I was like, she's just like hiding the ears in her hair, but I was proven wrong. Yeah. She's a human. Guys, actually, that's a really good segue. So, two things. Two more facts that I I just would like to bring up. So, in December 2016, this film was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Um, what? I I think it's significant. (laughs) I think it, it, it... It did so much for not just animation, but for for live action and the idea of meshing the two together. Like at the time, that had never really been encouraged. I feel like Mary Poppins had already done that. They had, but in Mm -hmm. this way, it was like more impressive because they were changing lighting and um, interacting directly with the characters, like pulling their shirts and stuff like that. Mm Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's, I think it is, like, culturally relevant. It took them two years to edit this movie, which I think is crazy, crazy That's long. a lot. I, I know that, like, we were kind of caught off guard by how lewd the film ended up being, but I almost give the film credit for that, because I think we, we view animation, a lot of people view animation naturally as, like, this very kid-friendly, family-friendly format, and... 
it's not really encouraged to use animation to like be risque and so i i almost like applaud the film for being a little ahead of its time and not being afraid to be a little bit more risque and everything because i think that's that's almost cheating animation i mean yeah it was controversial and it it got some some flack from a lot of people for that but like I, I think that was a very admirable risk that the film took. And considering the financial performance of it, it paid off. Yeah. So, Andrew, I would agree with you. I, I do agree with you that animation is for everyone. It should. We do have animation aimed more towards adults. That's how we have shows like Rick and Morty, Simpsons, Family Guy, mm-hmm. Bob's Burgers. And I think that's a very good use of animation. But this was targeted to children, Andrew. This movie was for children you can't say oh it was so brave to be so freaking dirty and make all these sex jokes when it's a movie for tiny little kids made by disney what the hell this could be the birds and the bees talk for children parents that don't want to talk about it they're just popping roger rabbit and they could that's how they learn that scene where Eddie is snapping pictures of Jessica Rabbit and that other dude, and mm-hmm. they're playing patty cake, which is an innuendo for sex. Uh, and I thanks th- for explaining that. Down, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> oh, yeah, thank you. Just so you guys know, there were a lot of innuendos for sex in this movie. I don't know if you guys caught them. At that, at that time, I, I did not know that like they were playing patty cake. I thought like, they were actually like full out doing it. So I was like, is Disney really going this far right now? And then I saw the photos they that did. I was just panicking. I will, the photos did. don't negate the fact that all of those moanings is clearly sex. It's like, I don't know. Wait, but Max, when did you first see this movie? How old were you when you first saw this movie for the first time? Because you said that you had seen it before. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I feel like maybe like middle school, potentially. So when you saw it when you were like in middle school, did you get those references or did they all just go over your head yeah i feel like some of them i got Mm -hmm. but maybe i i don't honestly i don't remember interesting okay i was trying to do the math on when i saw this movie because i do remember going on the ride at disneyland Mm -hmm. and i've been to disneyland twice in my life once i was 11 and the other time i think i was like four or five and I don't think I would have gone on the ride when I was 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. So I think I saw this movie when I was around five years old. Well, that's the demographic. Okay, perfect. So, <laughs> and here's the thing. I don't remember anything about this movie. When I sat down to watch it, I'm like, I kind of remember Jessica Rabbit was a thing. I kind of remember what this person looks like, but I don't know what it was about. But I have vivid memories of being, like, traumatized by this movie. And I'm wondering now if somehow in my childhood brain I got some of these innuendos were dark and I was, like, losing my mind because of it. I think it it's, might be that the dip that they put the characters in. And also, like, <laughs> the end when he turns into, like, a demon. Yes! Like, red beady eyes. Like, that's st- that scares me today. That's that was weird. Oh my god. At one point one of the weasels said bullshit. Like legit said bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> this is PG! Okay, but going Was it for children though? 
Did you change your name to Jack Daniels? That's a line. There's a lot of casual drinking and drinking problems and pointing it out. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. There... At one point, he gets cigarettes from children. He gets them <laughs> from children. Yeah, there, there's that. But, like, I remember growing up, there were a lot of animated shows that I watched that were, like, coming out of, like, Nickelodeon and Disney Channel that had a lot of suggestive stuff in it. You know, like, I remember, like, Hey Arnold, for example, like, watching that show growing up. Like, there were jokes in there about, like, circumcisions and stimulation. <laughs> I love. And, like, I remember, like, I got really bored, like, a week or so ago, and I was rewatching episodes from Hey Arnold, and I was like, how did I not get these jokes when I was a kid? I don't know. Maybe that was just the way it was back then, where, like, they were animators and animation shows were just like a little bit riskier with what they threw in and so i don't think we can like let's throw in a nude picture of jessica rabbit but let's do it really quickly so people won't be able to see it until the laser disc version comes out they're I mean, thinking that's ahead. a little bit more on the nose than than other instances but like i don't know i think that was just kind of the attitude back then of just like animated shows animation in general where it's just like they weren't afraid of being a little bit more risque in, in the jokes that they presented. Even if it was, like, really subtle and only, like, adults got the jokes. Like, I think that was just kind of, like, a theme that, like, at least in recent years, has kind of faded away because of, like, the need to be PG. Well, I mean, the rating system was still rather new at that point, and people hadn't really mm-hmm. figured out what PG and R... I don't even think PG-13 was... Well, it might have been. That was this was I think it was. It might have been. It may have been really new. I think PG thirteen came out when Jaws. Jaws was one of the first movies to have PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. So, so can we talk about something else that I didn't understand? Go for it. Why are there Looney Tunes characters in this? Looney Tunes is owned by Warner Brothers. <laughs> How did this happen? Yeah, I. Well, they wanted a lot more characters too. I I read. Really. Yeah, they wanted Popeye and Tom and Jerry and some others. I didn't remember. But I think he wanted, like, the world of tunes. Like, doesn't doesn't discriminate if it's Disney, Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. like, whatever. I'm genuinely shocked that they got Bugs Bunny and, and Daffy Duck at one point. They had the dueling pianos with Donald Duck and Daffy Duck. I live for that scene. That what scene, the hell? hands down, my favorite of the whole thing. Like, it was, it, it's what I didn't realize I needed in my life. Donald Duck and Daffy Duck. I think it was like Daffy that was like, at least I don't have a speech impediment. And I was just yeah. like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> I was just like, oh, this is so rich. If before that scene, this movie didn't already have my heart, that scene like just sealed the deal. So this movie is actually based on a novel. It's based on a 1981 novel called Who Censored Robber Rabbit by Gary K. Wolf. Um, hmm. I actually looked up the plot and it's very confusing. In the book, Roger Rabbit actually gets murdered after he murders someone else because that person had stolen Jessica from him. And there's like a doppelganger of Roger Rabbit at one point. And it, it's it's really confusing and kind of dark. So when they made this movie, it was in 2001. So like 10 years after they had actually made the movie. Gary K. Wolf, the author of the book, filed a lawsuit against Disney over royalties. And in a hearing in 2005, Wolf estimated that he was owed $7 million in royalty fees. Disney's attorney not only disputed that claim, but also said that Wolf actually owed Disney 
between $500,000 and $1 million because of an accounting error discovered in preparing for the lawsuit. Uh, it was eventually settled in 2005, and Wolf won. He actually received nowhere near $7 million. He received between $180,000 and $400,000 in damages. Uh, that wow. Wow. is crazy. And while this was happening, a little before this was happening, they were working on a prequel for this movie that was supposed to be set in 1941, depicting Roger Rabbit's early years living on a farm in the Midwest. I just want to read you guys some of the plot. Okay. Because it's insane. Okay, so there was supposedly going to be a scene where while Roger and his human friend Richie are enlisting in the army to go fight in World War II, Jessica is kidnapped and forced to make pro-Nazi Germany broadcasts. Roger and Richie must save her by going into Nazi-occupied Europe accompanied by several other tunes in their army platoon. And after their triumph, Roger and Richie are given a Hollywood Boulevard parade and Roger is finally reunited with his mother and father, Bugs Bunny. All right, Kickstarter, we're getting this movie together. <laughs> this movie has to exist. Oh my gosh. This is the movie that will redeem the film industry after this pandemic. This is it. Yeah, this is the first movie that comes out of coronavirus. <laughs> there, this is actually crazy. Like, the whole thing with the sequel and the prequel. So they had a sequel, and they had J.J. Abrams set to write the sequel, but then they scrapped it. They started making this prequel. They started writing it. They scrapped this as well. They started on another sequel, and the director, up until around 2018, was still trying to get it made. Uh, in an interview in 2018, he finally said to a reporter, like, look, I would love to make it, but Disney's never going to go for it. And I I've just kind of accepted that at this point in 2018, 30 years after the movie came out. I'm still processing that J.J. Abrams was attached to the sequel at one point. Well, Steven like, Spielberg's the executive director. Yeah, and J.J. And, uh, Abrams and Steven Spielberg go way back, but like... Imagine all the lens flares that would have been in that sequel, like, if he had stayed, stayed on. Oh my gosh. Let me oh. hear your thoughts about that beautiful World War II army film. What I would have given to see Roger Rabbit kicking Hitler's ass. I would love to just have every Roger Rabbit movie, just he, him in a different time period, like medie medieval times. He's just riding a horse into battle. Oh my god. He's kicking but, Hitler's butt. But he's not a good driver. But he's a better lover, which is a line in this movie. Wait, I, I'm now realizing that at some point, Roger Rabbit and Jessica Rabbit had to have gotten intimate. That mental I image... I could make so many dirty jokes right now. <laughs> that mental image is seared in my head. Still more pleasant than the live-action version of Cats. Guys, I have pages of notes. Like, it's so much. I... I could not wrap my head around this movie. <laughs> I, I do not blame you. But I, I will say, like, the acting in this film, like, it it took a lot, as I imagine it, it did, to, like, do these performances without basically the other half of the performance. Like, I remember seeing, like, uh, BTS footage on Looney Tunes back in action, so I got, like, a little bit of a picture of, like, how this acting must have must have happened. But, like... Especially like like the guy who plays the the main detective, 
so many props to him. Like, I, yes, there are moments where he's like a little bit like kind of like playing the stereotypical like noir detective, but like he offers mm. so much heart to this film. That takes a lot to be able to do that. So I think to like just like Matt props to like the acting for being able to ground the film, even though like yeah, you no. have all these. This characters. film is not grounded. I'm sorry, Andrew. I appreciate what you're saying, but it doesn't have heart. You don't think if, it has heart? If any one of these characters died, I would feel nothing. Even the detective? Like, nothing. Yes, absolutely nothing. And what that's about that shoe? Fine. Oh my god! You know the shoe. When the shoe died. When the shoe oh died, I will have to say that's when the movie lost all of its heart because it had so much potential in that cute little shoe that police officers just witnessed a judge put into acid and murder without a second thought. These tunes are enslaved. Okay, I want your guys' opinion on this. So Judge Dooms, his evil motiv- motivation is he wants to destroy Toontown to build a freeway, which is when I realized this movie was just a criticism of California transportation. He wants to destroy Toontown and all of its residents to build a freeway. When I heard that really fucking stupid motivation, I'm like, you know, there's a better motivation here. It could be the fact that Toons are practically invincible. Nothing can kill them. They can just make things appear out of nowhere. And humans are not immune to their items. Like if you shoot someone with a Toontown gun, they will die. The reason he should have been trying to get rid of the Toontowns is, of course, there's that twist of him actually being a Toon, which really didn't make any sense, because why would he make an acid that could be the only thing that could kill him? But the reason that they should have been trying to get rid of the Toons is because they're too powerful. And eventually, they will realize that all of these humans have enslaved them, and they will rise up, and we will lose. The humans will lose. We will be overcome by the Toons, and we will all die and perish or be enslaved by the Toons. That's what the motivation should have been. Guys... I feel like the walls are closing in around me. I might be in an active blackout right now. I don't understand what I watched. You Using your logic, though, wouldn't that be a little too dark for a kid's movie? I'm sorry. Did you not see the guy get melted? Well, first flattened, and then he stands up. First flattened. And then he... Oh, that image of him standing up after being flattened is so scary. It's like when I was in first grade and I saw mum- I saw mummies at the at some museum and then I came home and I was like I'm not going to sleep ever again. <laughs> I'm just seeing mummies everywhere. But now I'm gonna just see his like <clears throat> rocking back and forth like th- paper thin body. Oh my god, that was Slenderman. <gasps> oh my god. Oh Guys. god, don't don't bring back this- memories of that. <sighs> oh god, no. <laughs> no one look behind you right now. Don't think about him. Listeners, not you don't do it either. Don't look behind you. Close your eyes. Slenderman was the bane of my existence for the whole second half of my high school time. Like, like I know he wasn't real, but still, he scared the shit out of me. Oof. His presence was always there with yeah. us. Oh, yeah. Playing those Slender games? I, I think I'm broken. I think this movie has <laughs> broken me. Wait, out of all the... I wait, don't know what wait, to do. Wait, wait. Brittany, out of all the films we've seen together on this podcast, this is the one that broke you? 
Yes, and let me explain why, Andrew, because I don't understand it. It makes no logical sense. It made me go off on so many tangents where I'm like, why this? Why this? How is this PG? What is happening? You can clearly see all the way up Jessica Rabbit's skirt right now. Like, just because there's someone covering the private area doesn't mean that that's not still her ass. And through all of this ridiculous, ludicrous, absolutely bonkers, insane movie, I think I enjoyed it. And that's what's driving me insane. Oh, that's beautiful. Because I can't understand what's happening. I, I know that's why I love it. Just everything, not expecting how dirty it gets, I love it. It's like a way better uh, sausage party. <laughs> the classic... Uh, should have been nominated for seven Oscars. Of Seth course. Rogen movie, Sausage Party. Of course, the classic. I mean, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if it's fair to compare this movie to Sausage Party. Good lord. All right, but we can talk about Jessica Rabbit more. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh I need god. a minute. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. Okay, but I will. I will say though, I do. I do. I do love the noir aspect to this film. Like, between the music and between just, like, the angles, like, the silhouettes and everything. Like, I, I do I do love that they went with that and, and made it a, kind of like a, a murder mystery of, of sorts. As crude as it got, I, I do love that, that it, it took that approach. Even though, like, the film is called Who Framed Roger Rabbit, I did not think it was going to take a noir approach to that. I thought it was going to be kind of like... Sonic the Hedgehog, where you know you have like the the like uh, your standard like run of the mill like buddy comedy flick, and it got very noir esque, and I just that was a pleasant surprise. I did not see that coming. Yeah, I think it also like knows that it's almost making a parody on it, but also honoring it mm-hmm. because I think there's like a lot of those like noir like one liners that are a little like cheesy, but I like I like the cheese. I think it like works because they. Just the zaniness side of the movie just plays off of it pretty well. Yeah, the, the lactose that this film offers, the cheesiness that it gives is just, yeah. it's beautiful. I will say, though, I, I could have done without the screeching on the chalkboard. Oh my gosh, yeah. That, that was awful. Ooh, that was, gosh, I had to remove my headphones because I was like, nope, 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 not, no, nope, nope. He does it for so long, too. Yeah, yeah, it was just like far too this long. Really needed. I have to... I have to say, my biggest complaint with this movie, something that I genuinely did not like, their bits go on a little too long, I felt. Like, that last fight scene in the warehouse went on for, like, ten minutes. And I'm like, this is just a little too long. Or the singing scene, she was singing for, like, a minute. I'm like, okay, we get it. She has a hot voice. She's hot. Does this need to keep going for this long? I feel like... They, they kept trying to stretch out the time more, and I'm like, this, hour, this movie's already an hour and 45 minutes. You don't need, it doesn't need to be this long. And mm-hmm. I, I did have that problem. There were a couple of times when I wrote out, like, are we done yet? <laughs> like, <laughs> is it over? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like, I think what helps is the film is, is only like an hour and 40 minutes long. Because I think. 45. Like, sorry, hour and 45 minutes long. Yeah, but, get time right, Andrew. Sorry that I'm I love not, you, Andrew. Sorry that I'm not being timely here. That was an attempt at a pun. I'm not sure how well that worked. Anywho, uh, I because I don't know. I feel like honestly, it moved. It moved pretty quickly for me, and I don't know if it was if it was just the fact that like 
you have the, these cartoons and they're like yucking or they're jumping somewhere or getting something dropped in their head half the time and that kept me like occupied just seeing them go through pain <laughs> but like i don't know it i i didn't feel like Sorry, any moment was wait. like what? Did you just say that kept me occupied seeing them go through pain? Well, if you think about it, half the gimmick of these Toon characters is they're suffering half the time. Like, that whole opening sequence with Roger Rabbit, like, he goes through so much abuse in five minutes. He had minutes. a fridge dropped on him 23 times! He was stuck in an oven for, like, a minute that, that a was volcano, volcano hot. hot. Like Yeah, vol made that oven in what world are you gonna need to put something in an oven you need to turn it to volcano out only for it to shoot out of the oven after you're finished cooking it yeah Who made that oven i i don't think that's very quality a very quality product right there yeah are you trying to <laughs> prove the the realness of a cartoon yeah. oven <laughs> well here's the thing I don't know which side to believe because this is half live action and half animated. And in animated shows, you can believe nonsensical things, especially, I mean, like, the beginning was a straight ripoff from Looney Tunes, which is when I wrote down, how are they getting away with this, only to discover Bugs Bunny in a scene, like, four minutes later. And I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. Did they buy them? What? How did Warner Brothers allow this? I am kind of curious, though, to see, like, what what had to happen for these characters to get added in this film. Especially when, when the face-off happened between um, Daffy Duck and Donald Duck. I was just like, what kind of backdoor deals had to be made for this to happen? I have the answer for you, yeah. Oh, here we go. So, Max, there was an us. agreement. So, there was an agreement between Disney and Warner Brothers where if Mickey Mouse is in a scene, Bugs has to be in the scene for the exact amount of screen time. So that's why they're skydiving together. And then Daffy and Donald are playing the piano. Exact screen time. So when they get pulled off the stage with the hook, pulled off the exact same time. No Interesting. way. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. That's insane. I mean, like, to be honest, Warner Brothers probably made their money's worth. This film was number two in the highest grossing films of the year in 1988 it was beaten only by rain man it made over 300 million dollars and at the time of its release it was the 20th highest grossing film of all time obviously that spot has since been it's it's not even in the top 50 nope. anymore nope. uh 20th is actually held guess which film holds number 20 guys you will never guess can we get a hint sure marvel spider-man 3 no. Ant-Man 2. No. Ant-Man? You want me to tell you? Hulk. It's Iron Man 3. Oh. That holds number 20 in the highest grossing oh. films of all time. Interesting. I feel like that would have been higher. Yeah. Yeah. Number one is Endgame. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah, Marvel, Marvel probably owns like half of those spots. It does. <laughs> No, honest, not Marvel, Disney. Disney owns most of the spots on there. Like, mm -hmm. on the top 50, because I was looking at it today because I was curious. They have all of the, they have a ton of Marvel films. They have a ton of the newer Star Wars films. Pirates of the Caribbean is on there. Then they have the animated Disney films. Like, they got Frozen, Frozen 2, Incredibles 2, Toy Story 3, Toy Story 4. They yeah. have both Lion Kings. They have, in the top 50, they have the original Lion King and the live-action remake, Sadly. Lion King. They have the live... 
<laughs> they have the live action remake of Aladdin on there, which I actually think was rather good. I did surprisingly enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah, that one was pretty good. Yeah, Disney I was owns surprised the top by that. 50. What's the first oh, yeah. movie that's not Disney on the list? Oh, the first movie that's not Disney. I do know this. Hold on. I don't even know what it, I can't even think of movies that are not Disney owned. Oh, it's Titanic. Oh, okay. Titanic is number three. Well, obviously, this is adjusted for inflation. I was going to say Avatar, but Avatar technically is owned by Disney now. Yeah, yeah, because Avatar is owned by Disney. Avatar is mm-hmm. number two. Is there anything else we want to bring up that happened in this movie? He tried uh, to saw his own wrist off at one point. No, I, I, guess I got I, so scared. I, I do have one question. Do you think, do you think that we are going to see another movie like this? Not necessarily like in terms of like the lewdness, but no. in terms of like the combination cartoons and human, like that live action animation mix. I mean, we kind of already do. Like yeah. we have so many CGI stuff nowadays that we do see the animation and the live action mix all the time. I think we've kind of become desensitized to it, but because it's not necessarily the 2D animation anymore, mm-hmm. it's a little more natural and organic, I I would say. Yeah. And I did hear they were making another Space Jam movie, I think. So maybe like that's how we're going to get our fix <laughs> with more of this kind of like crossover. That but... was my Looney Tunes movie. I don't know which one you guys were talking about earlier, but Space oh. Jam... That was my movie. Looney Tunes Back in Action is an underrated masterpiece of a movie. It is. It is Brendan Fraser. Like, oh, need yeah. we say more? It's Brendan Fraser and Looney Tunes. Jenna Elfman. And Steve Martin, too. Steve Martin. Like, that works. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we would see something like this now, like, with 2D animation. I think it's all going to, like, they're sticking to CGI, like, mm-hmm. studio heads yeah, yeah. are, like, thinking that's the best way. And, like, mm-hmm. I think it's going to have to be a hard push to get anything like this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. Anything else? What a movie. Wanna... What a movie. <laughs> what a movie. I'm just trying to see if there was any other like inappropriate things I wrote down that I feel like need to be addressed because again, this is a PG movie. I want to just make sure we get them all. Did I mention that the kids give Eddie cigarettes? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Great. Great. It's wonderful. I just love that it's PG. Like PG thirteen existed, but they're like, yeah, you know, with the swearing, the um, the the flattening and melting of a man, the cleavage, and children with cigarettes, murder, yeah, sexy the, cartoons, the boob. Oh my god! At one point, a weasel straight up sticks his hand in her <laughs> chest, like between her boobs. Also, when they're in the bar and Eddie, like they're hiding from somebody coming in, Eddie pulls. Down the bartender, but by her oh, shirt by, yeah, in the front. Yes. her boob. Yeah. yeah, I know what you're I was like, there's about. so many easier ways well, to go down. Guys, but... yeah. let's be honest. That is the right way to pull a woman towards you. You got to grab her by the boob and pull her down. Obviously, that's what you're supposed to do. Have you guys not been doing that to women? Uh, I haven't, but I will try it out now. Okay, Thank you. great. <laughs> I, saw it too. I saw it too, and I was just like, is that necessary? Like... What, what, why? Yeah. Like, why? And it's like, so quick, too. Yeah. It was like a blink and you miss it kind of thing, but I was like, okay, at this point, like, they're just, like, come on, guys. Like, this is, this is a, this is a bit much at this point. Like, come on. At one point, they're... the car says, this ain't no cartoon. What? Jessica Rabbit looks straight at the camera at one point. <laughs> like, I guess we're breaking the third wall now. Yeah. I'm just going to curl up on a ball on the floor, guys. Don't mind me. 
The movie that this was also the most expensive film at the time too. I found out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Seventy million, which like today that's like nothing. Oh no. I mean, yeah, that, that's pocket change at this at this point. But yeah, I mean, back then seventy million was like it. It got you pretty far. It got you pretty far back then. I think the first Hunger Games movie was made for seventy million. Really. Mm-hmm. Wow. Fun fact. But yeah, no, <laughs> she's still. She's still on the ground. <laughs> oh my god, let this go on the record that Who Framed Roger Rabbit is the film that broke Brittany McHugh. I'm back. I feel like we gotta wrap up. <laughs> Alright, so time to give our overall thoughts and whether or not we would recommend this film. We'll start off with our guest of honor. Thank you. Uh, I definitely would recommend it. Is it crude? Yes. Does it make me uncomfortable? Yes. But it is a fun movie that you can enjoy with the entire family, no matter what age. Recommended for five and under. Yes. <laughs> I recommend it. Thank you, Max. Uh, yeah, you should watch it. Like, it's so weird, man. You know, maybe don't let your children watch it, because, as I recall, when I went on the ride in Disneyland, my mom really wanted me to go on the ride, and I was screaming, crying the whole time. I did not want to be there. Guys, we didn't even talk about the ride. That ride is still there in Disneyland. That's like a whole other video talking yeah. about the ride. I mean, a whole other podcast talking about the ride. It's a, it's a whole thing. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you should watch it. Like, it's so fucking weird. That's all. Just go, Andrew. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I loved it. It was a pleasant surprise, and yeah, it, it, it was not what I expected it to be, but it ended up being the best thing ever. It's just, like, just completely subverting my expectations, and the cameos that happen in this project are just, like, that is half the charm of this, of this film. It's just all the cameos from all these animated characters that you've come to grow and love. Um, and yeah, it's a great film. You, just lots of of heart, despite what Brittany may say. Uh, lots of heart, and and just <laughs> agree to disagree. Um, and it's yes, yeah, it's, it's a good time. And again, just understand that the PG rating definitely would not stick, uh, stand today. But it's it's a good time, and I would definitely recommend giving it a watch. For full boob. Just because you don't see the nipple doesn't mean that's not still a boob. This film probably would have gotten an R rating nowadays, honestly. I yeah. I think it probably I, I would definitely have agree. <laughs> they like run into her boobs so many times too. There's like sound effects to them. Mm-hmm. He drops the his bum. pants when she's right up against him at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which again, can humans and cartoons have sex in this world? I, I don't think I want to, I don't think I want to find the answer to that question. Yeah, I think if you look deep enough on the internet you can find that out. Oh but, my god. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to find that out. Uh, okay. Plugs? So, uh, Max, for this part of, of the episode, uh, you just plug you know, your social media, and then you give one recommendation. Uh, it could be a book. It could be a podcast. It could be a film, a TV show. Anything that you've seen lately that you want to recommend to the listeners. So you guys can find me on YouTube at Max Kennedy. I make videos about Disney. Maybe I'll make a video about Roger Rabbit Ride. That'd Please be interesting. Do. Please I, I would watch that. I would watch that. Awesome. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at, at underscore Max Kennedy. On uh, Instagram, this is Max Kennedy. Also, I've dove into the world of TikTok. 
uh, <laughs> with the same. This is Max Kennedy. And uh, if you like Disney-related stuff, since this is a Disney movie, um, Defunct Land on YouTube, they make he makes really fantastic documentaries about rides or like experiences that have been gone in the past that don't happen anymore. Hence, Defunct. Cool. Yeah, and thanks again for having me on this podcast. It's been a lot of fun, and oh, it's been my it's my first podcast ever. Oh, is it really? So you, yeah. So you pop the podcast cherry oh, of wow. mine, I guess. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it we, fits <laughs> for this film. We are honored to be your first, Max. We're so, we are so happy you. we popped your podcast, Cherry. Just over the fucking moon. Um, uh, you can find me at Brittany Blue Eyed on Instagram. I still don't have a Twitter, but my dog just recently got an Instagram. So if you want to look at pictures of my adorable dog, you can find her at Dakota the Tiger Dog. It's not a Tiger King reference. She just, that's her coat. So, yeah. Uh, something I would like to recommend, I just watched the Netflix movie, The Half of It, which is a very, very beautiful movie about a girl living in a small town who is kind of falls into a Cyrano relationship with another boy who is trying to write love letters to this girl, but he's not a good writer, so he hires her to write love letters to this girl, but she's also in love with that girl. And it's very sweet, very heartwarming, a very good coming-of-age movie, and I would highly recommend it. All right. Uh, well, on Twitter, you can find me at Andrew Nuno. On Instagram, you can find me at Andrew the Nuno Twin. And uh, the thing that I'm going to plug is this awesome web series. It's called Phobia. Um, it's about uh, this woman who comes uh, to America. Uh, she, you know, uh, lives in India and she's basically trying to get used to living in the States and just trying to make friends and just trying to have her life and you just follow her antics along the way. Um, it's a really, really funny web series. Uh, definitely would recommend checking it out. Yeah. So, Andrew, if there's nothing else, do you want to end our podcast the way you shall always end the podcast forever until the end of time? Absolutely. So thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of the Academy Arguments. If you're curious to see our other discussions, whether they be on Gravity the Great Gatsby, Crash, you name it, feel free to check them out on Spotify or any other uh, place that you may listen to podcasts. So take care, guys. Oh, we're guys. on Stitcher now. We're oh, on Stitcher we are now. on Stitcher. We just came on Stitcher. Okay. Yeah. That is the new way, the new little twist here. We are on Stitcher now, guys. So that is awesome. So yeah, uh, feel free to listen to us on any of those platforms. Uh, take care, guys. And until next time, whenever you find yourself in a dark place or in bad habits... Movies are where you can make friends with anything, maybe even a rabbit. Take care, guys. The Academy Arguments was created and produced by Brittany McHugh and Andrew Nuno. It is edited by Brittany McHugh, and the artwork is by Olivia Jensen. If you like what you heard here today, then tell a friend, tell a couple of friends, tell your grandmother if you think that's something she'd be into. Or you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because it really helps the show get noticed when you do. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or suggestions for a movie we should do for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Academy Arguments, on Twitter at ACAD Arguments, or at our email, academyarguments at gmail.com. Did Betty Boop fuck him, too? Because at one point, Betty Boop is like, oh, she's so lucky. And I'm like... Maybe she was pining for him forever. Also, why was she the only one in black and white? Mickey Mouse was in black and white. Why did he get colored and she didn't? I guess because he eventually did, but she just was stuck.
She never Betty Boop had color. has colors, though. She does? Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, if you she look... does. Duh. Life's a mystery. Stay loony. 